2: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at IrishBreakdown.com and today I'm actually going to do a solo show. The reason we're doing it on Tuesday or I'm doing it on Tuesday with you is we had tried to see if we could get Vince Dario to be able to do it, but he is slammed. As you guys know, Vince is a teacher, so his schedule this week just would not allow it. And with it being a road game, and I drove to the game and drove back, it was, uh, you know, couldn't quite get back in time for us to try to knock it out on Sunday night. So just for today, this is going to be a solo show. Vince will be back with you tomorrow on Wednesday. He is going to have. Uh, an interview with a Georgia Tech insider to preview the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game. And then, of course, Vince and I will be with you on Thursday to preview uh, the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game from our standpoint. So uh, he will be back with you here very soon. This is obviously not a permanent move, but I wanted to uh, break down the Notre Dame-Pitt game. It was a huge game for Notre Dame, in my opinion. It was a statement game. It was a statement opportunity for Notre Dame. Look, Notre Dame started the season 4-0, I don't really think any of their wins were overly impressive. You know, they scuffled a little bit to beat Duke. Uh, didn't play very well against Louisville. Florida State was good for a half on offense, not good for the other half. Defense was kind of not good for half, good for another half, and then South Florida's just terrible. Pitt's not that good either. You know, I, I talked about this last week, but still, Pitt has some strengths, and and, and Pitt is a, a better team than the ones Notre Dame had, had played and defeated up to this point in time, so – I do think it was an opportunity for us to learn something about Notre Dame and you know I wanted to see how they were going to play on the road and those types of things and And Notre Dame came out and, and really played well in in most areas I thought defensively I thought the first series obviously not great Pitt made a couple plays and and no, uh, went down the field and and kicked a field goal to make it seven to three after Notre Dame opened the game uh, with a touchdown. But after that, I mean, the pit, the pit. Here, here's some stats that, that that I found interesting. Pitt did not get into the red zone once this entire game. Scored three points, so it's not like Pitt only scored three points because you know they missed opportunities or things like that. That's not really the case. They were thoroughly dominated uh, by the Notre Dame defense. I thought the Notre Dame offense competed. Didn't necessarily play well. Relied on some big plays, but you know it was fourteen to three, kind of late in the second quarter. Defense started forcing a bunch of turnovers, and the offense did what they needed to do to, uh, you know, turn those turnovers and short fields into touchdowns, which you, you give them credit for. And I really thought, as I before I dive into the specifics, offense and defense, there was a call, a decision that really two decisions that Brian Kelly made in the second quarter that I just that I thought were great and had a huge impact on how this game was going to play out. I thought once Notre Dame, when Bo Bauer picked off that pass, and it was about five minutes left and ran it back, got it into Pitt territory, and then Notre Dame turned that short field into the touchdown, I thought a 21-3, to I thought basically the game was over because I didn't think Pitt could score that much on Notre Dame. But I still felt like, you know, a mistake by the Notre Dame offense, a turnover, something like that, and then all of a sudden this game, this game could, could, could get a little bit more competitive if – you know, if, if Pitt's able to make a couple of plays. But Pitt gets the ball back with uh, like a minute, minute 40 left, somewhere around there. And instead of trying to do something to get back in the game, Pat Narduzzi gets conservative and and, and just tries to run the ball. Runs a draw play, then runs another outside zone play. Uh, and then you get to third down. They don't get it. And then Brian Kelly calls timeout with 20 seconds left. I thought, I thought Pat Narduzzi... Uh, Coach with showing his team he had no confidence in him offensively or defensively. I thought it was uh, scared football. I'll be honest with you, and, and I thought Brian Kelly could have just—I would not have criticized Brian Kelly at all for letting the clock run out and you know take that twenty-one to three lead into halftime because Brian Kelly has a great defense to build around, and and he could have you know he could have said, "Hey, look, we're not going to take a chance or anything like that." But he made the gutsy call and, and and a savvy call I thought, and he calls timeout with twenty seconds left because you know Pitt's backed up and. And when you know Pitt lined up to punt, the Notre Dame punt returner was standing around in the fifty yard line. So Notre Dame was going to get good field position with fifteen seconds left. You know you got time to take a couple shots to get the ball into field goal territory, and in a worst case, you know try to kick a field goal. So I thought it was a great call. And then the second great call was Notre Dame coming out for the punt, and then obviously Isaiah Foskey blocks it, and Notre Dame runs it back, and the, and the game is absolutely over. I, I thought that was a a great call. And not just for for the impact it had in the game, you know. I think that was part of it. But one of the things I heard from from one of my sources was when Brian Kelly came went up to the team during the week. And and I, what I don't know is if this was just something he said to the defense or if this is something he said to the entire team. But one of the things he said is, "Hey, look, we're, we're playing too tight. We're playing not we're we're playing not to make mistakes, which is very true." and he said he just wanted him to play loose and to have fun again. And and that's fine to say. I mean, you can say that, but the kids need to see it. They need to see you conducting yourself in a way that allows them to do that. And I think little things like this, like this timeout and going for the punt are the kind of thing that 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 players can look at and say, "Yeah, you know, coach is out here with us. He's he's going to make calls. He's going to give us a chance to go out and make plays." And I just thought it was something that that really ignited the team. I thought they came out in the second half and really just looked put looked to put pit away. And I really think it, a lot of it had to do with with that that decision because now Pitt's down 28-3 and they've got to come out and throw and that's when the Notre Dame defense could kind of pin its ears back started dropping more into coverage if you want to run a draw play for 20 yards fine run a draw play for 20 yards because you're down you know 28-3 to uh you you need to throw the football and Notre Dame was able to play it and then that's why you get two interceptions in the third quarter and then you turn them into touchdowns and next thing you know it's it's 45-3 to so I thought that was really a masterful job coaching by Brian Kelly uh, and, and Notre Dame goes on the road and gets a big win I mean this was a big win for Notre Dame not big win from the standpoint of they beat a good team because they didn't pitt's not good but Notre Dame started to finally play like a top five team I don't think they necessarily played like a top five team for all season other than they kept winning that's obviously a key ingredient to to being a top five team but Uh, You know, to me, it's also about, you know, you can tell the difference between, you know, Liberty, who's undefeated, and, and Alabama, who's undefeated, right? You know, well, Notre Dame wasn't playing like Alabama. They weren't playing like Clemson. They were beating bad teams in unconvincing and unimpressive fashion. This time they beat a bad team in very very impressive fashion, and it was the uh, the forty two point difference was the biggest margin of victory uh, on the road in the Brian Kelly area away from home. I think the next closest would have been the Miami game in two thousand twelve when Notre Dame won on a neutral field forty one to three. So so this was a very very impressive win for Notre Dame, and and you have to hope if for the program that this is something that kind of gives them some momentum. And gives them the ability to, to kind of carry this into the Georgia Tech game, which then hopefully gives them the momentum to carry this into the Clemson game, which is really the big game that that everyone is going to be thinking about. Now let's dive into some specifics of this game, and this is this was a, a truly brilliant performance, in my opinion, from the Notre Dame defense. And, and look. We talked to you guys last week, Vincent. I talked to you when we did the preview. This is not a very good Pitt offense. It's just not, and especially with Kenny Pickett, they're starting a quarterback out. This is a this is a group that Notre Dame should have handled, but but I don't think they not only handled it. I mean, they 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 were impressive, and I mean, really, Pitt's offense was was too long pass plays. You know, Pitt had 162 yards of offense, uh, which is an incredibly low number. 2.2 yards per rush, 3.6 yards per pass attempt. Which is just an outstanding number. 162 yards uh, is is truly a, a brilliant performance and truly a dominant performance uh, that that Notre Dame had defensively. And and you just don't you don't see these kind of dominating performances very often. And when you do, you know it's normally over a team that's just you know not very good. And this was this was against a team that it, you know. And I'm, when I mean not very good, I'm referring to to like a Bowling Green. You know, New Mexico, a team like that. But this this performance to me was was just spectacular. And when you look at um, just how it stacks up, I mean, Notre Dame's played really good defense uh, the last few years. Uh, this this mark was by far the best. And and again, it was the best performance they've had of Brian Kelly's tenure. Uh, when it comes to limiting yards, they gave up 162 yards. The previous low was 163. Uh, to kick off the 2015 season against Texas. So, truly a spectacular defensive uh, performance. And, again, they not only beat Pitt, a team that they should have beat soundly, they absolutely annihilated and dominated Pitt, and that was a really impressive performance. And they did it in, in every facet, pass game, um, run game, and I thought it was just a great, great game plan uh, by Clark Lee and the defensive staff. And, and as we talked to you guys about last week, This is an offense that that was going to use quick game to kind of move the chains and set the tempo. I wrote before the game that, you know, Pitt's not going to run the ball a lot. So Notre Dame holding Pitt to 44 yards is not an overly surprising number. I mean, that's Pitt came into the game averaging 107 yards per game on offense. And a big part of that was because, you know, they ran for 147 against Austin P, 127 against Syracuse, 156 against Louisville. Their previous four games, they hadn't topped 100 yards yet, and they only rushed for 22 against Miami. So the 44 yards I'm not I'm not overly impressed with. Now I think it was an even more dump, Not I'm not only impressed with. I'm not overly surprised by is what I meant to say. Uh, and, and some of that 44 yards is to me kind of yards they were giving up. You know I think Pitt had a 19 yard run early in the third quarter when Notre Dame was going to let them run a draw for you know decent yards. Now it should have been played better, but the point is that wasn't where they just like knocked Notre Dame off the ball or anything like that. Um, it was really a, a dominant performance, and and I think it was partly obviously players played great and and they executed well. But I really like the game plan, and, and and as I've said to you guys a lot of times, coaching is about putting your players in position to be successful, and and a game plan is very important. And in this game, to me, it was obvious that Clark Lee's game plan was we're going to put it on the shoulders of the defense, of the defensive line, and what I mean by that is. You know It's going to be up to them to be the first line of defense against the run game. They need to control the line of scrimmage against the run. And they did, and they completely shut down the run game. They need to be able to rush the quarterback without having to blitz a lot. And Notre Dame blitz, but not a lot. I mean, they had a corner blitz. They brought Jeremiah Wusu at times. So they did some blitzes, but they were they – were, Design timed blitzes, third down stuff it, you know, on the base downs. Notre Dame didn't blitz a lot. Now, by putting that kind of burden on the defensive line, if they play well, which they did, they played exceptionally well, uh, you now allow your linebackers to roam free more, fly to the football, uh, stop the run, but also do more in coverage. And so you saw the linebackers getting a lot of depth in, in zone. And I know Bo Bauer had a big pick in the inter- in the game. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu had a big pick in the game. But the play that Bo Bauer made where he really got up underneath that end cut, he'd made several plays like that during the game where he got underneath those end cuts and they couldn't throw the ball. Now, now a lot of times we may only see as fans, we may only see the the play where he made the interception, but when you're at the game live, which I was, when you watch it on film, you kind of remember, oh, yeah, that's that play where they wanted to hit that dig route, but Bo got underneath it or, the, or Drew Wyatt or, or or Shane Simon or Maris Leuph got underneath it and they did a great job of that and allowed jeremiah wusu since he wasn't blitzing as much to now be used in coverage and he made an interception but there were several plays just like bo bauer where they tried to run a wheel route or tried to run a seam route and and jeremiah wusu was all over it and so because your defensive line was being asked to do a lot with four you now could use your linebackers in a different way and because you're using your linebackers in a different way, it allowed them to use their safeties in a different way. So the safeties didn't have to be as aggressive coming downhill. Now they did, still did some of that, but they could then use the safeties to protect against the deep ball. Because what did I say before the game? Pitt's going to try to use the quick passing game, the screens. It's a basically that's their run game, the perimeter screens, the quick game, the, the option routes, the quick outs, the hitches, the swing routes. That's their that's their perimeter running game. That's how they look at it, right? And so they do that a lot of times to set up some of the bigger plays down the field. Well, as I was getting ready to say earlier, you know, Pitt only had 162 yards of offense, right? Which is an incredibly low number. But 55 of that came on two plays in the first half. I mean, when you talk about they had a uh, a 33 yard gain, uh, excuse me, a 22 yard gain, I believe, on the first series of the game, Uh, and then they had a 33 yard gain later. And it's one of those things where I might have those backwards, but uh, it was those were plays that they were really you made a mistake on the first drive. I think Clarence Lewis bit on a on a slant and go, and they and they beat it over the top. But but other than that, you had one well designed wide fade route where Nick McLeod was actually in good coverage, but it was a great route, great call, and a great ball and a great catch. Uh, so, so Notre Dame was really able to shut them down, and a big reason for that was they could take away a lot of the deep throws by using the safeties deep. And there was a couple times that Pitt actually had guys open deep, but the pass rush got to him and the quarterback was able to, to make an inaccurate an throw. So, And I thought they used the corners well early, especially on first and second down. They did a lot of press coverage, a lot of tight coverage, which took away the hitch routes, which took away the quick outs, which took away a lot of the quick game that Pitt likes to do. And it allowed Notre Dame to absolutely dominate Pitt on first down. And I wrote about this after the game. When you look at Notre Dame's third down defense, it was absolutely brilliant in the game. I mean, Pitt went 3 of 13 when they got two third down conversions on the first drive of the game. And then after that, they got one third down conversion on by execution. They got another one by a penalty. Um, but that's a big part of it. But a big reason that Notre Dame was able to have so much success is is how many times they had Pitt in third and long. And as I wrote in the, the key takeaways after the game, Pitt was in a third and ten or third and ten or longer. So either third and ten or more on six of their 13 third down snaps. And two more times they were in third and seven. So eight of the 13 third down situations were third and longs, or third and very longs. And when that doesn't happen unless you're dominating on first and second down. And the thing about it was, Notre Dame didn't actually have a lot of tackles for loss in the game. They didn't have necessarily a lot of sacks in the game. They were just constantly dominating Pitt. They were stopping him at the line of scrimmage. They were, you know, get the timely sack. I mean, a lot of those third and tens are because you got nothing on first down, you got nothing on second down. And, and that was just really, really brilliant play by the Notre Dame defense. And it was just great team defense. And, one of the things that I that I took away from this game, and it was very similar to the Louisville game for me, is you look at Bo Bauer and Jeremiah Wusu and Nick McLeod, That Those guys made great individual plays. Kurt Heinrich had a great individual play. There was other guys that made great individual plays. But what I felt made this performance so impressive defensively, and it's now the second week in a row we've seen this, is... Notre Dame is playing great team defense. There was nobody that I looked at in this game and said, wow, that was like what we saw from Jalen Smith, or that's what we saw from Stefan Tuit or Manti Teo, or, you know, a guy just had a brilliant, you know, 13 tackle, three tackle for loss game. There was none of that. It was everybody doing their job and doing it well. And then, you know, when there was a couple areas where they weren't playing great, uh, which I'll get into, you had guys make up for it. And that's the kind of stuff that you say. That's what a great team defense does. You're gonna, you know, you're you know, Sean Crawford, for example, was a play uh, in the second half, I believe, may, uh, where actually might have been the second quarter, where Sean Crawford was was playing tight to take away, you know, side, kind of a quick throw, but it was actually a vertical route, and the guy just ran right by him. I mean, it would have a good throw would have been a touchdown, but it wasn't a good throw because the pass rush got there and forced a rush throw, and the and the quarterback missed badly. So. Even on the times where maybe a guy didn't make a play, there was somebody there to, to pick him up and, and to step up and, and make a play. And that's that's just great team defense. That's what great defenses do. And right now, Notre Dame is playing great defense. And, again, we could talk about they haven't played any good offenses, things like that. Well, Louisville's a pretty good offense. And I, and I think we, uh, we, can, we, we can all agree on that. And we saw what Louisville did uh, after before and after Notre Dame. And I wrote an article this morning at irishbreakdown.com where I talked about how over the last, it's really eleven games, the last ten games against uh, against power non-option teams, Notre Dame's run defense has been absolutely brilliant, and they're holding opponents to ninety five point six rushing yards per game, uh, which is really just an outstanding number, uh, and they're certainly playing to me championship caliber defense. And and you talk about you know you haven't some of the offenses you haven't played are great, but look they played Louisville two weekends ago. Right, and they held Javion Hawkins to 51 yards rushing, which, as I as we talked about last week, was his lowest total as a starter, which is you know now a year and a half old. And you look at what Hawkins did the game before Notre Dame and the game after Notre Dame. He had 155 yards in the game before, and this past week, he had 175 yard, 174 yards against Florida State. So. Uh, they were held to 96 yards against Notre Dame, and it was a competitive game. So it's not like they stopped running because they were losing. It was a 12 to 7 game. So that's outstanding run defense performance. And they've really, really improved their run defense, and they have, and they've done it without having to sacrifice other things, as the article that I sh- that I wrote at Irish Breakdown uh, talks about. So so give that a give that a read because I think it's a very, very important important thing because it is that is a key ingredient, and if Notre Dame can continue that moving forward. Then they're going to have a chance to be to be really really good. But a big reason they're able to have that success again is I think they're playing great team defense. I don't, yeah, you know, I think Jeremiah Wusu's playing at a very high level, but I don't know if you know there's a bunch of guys playing like phenomenal great players. Kyle Hamilton's playing well, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily playing at an elite level. Partly because teams avoid him a lot, you know. But but you know there's no. Hey, that's a first round pick. That's a, you know, that kind of thing. It's just as a unit, they're just playing so well. Um, so well. So that's a big part of of what Notre Dame is is able to do. I thought the defensive line against the run was outstanding. I thought up the middle, I thought Kurt Heinisch had a good game. I thought uh, Jacob Lacey, I thought, played really well uh, in, in limited snaps. I thought he. I thought Riley Mills came off the bench and played really well. His quickness was really tough for the pit lineman to handle. He's starting to get a lot more confidence in that position. Uh, Jason Adamiola was used mostly as a pass rusher, and I thought he played exceptionally well in that role. I mean, first half, he ended two drives. You know, he had on back-to-back third plays – uh, third downs on back-to-back drives. He had a sack on one drive, and he had a hurry on another that forced an incompletion. Uh, so he was starting for the defense in the nickel package this week, and I think we'll see more of that moving forward. And then another big thing was Myron Tungvaloa uh, really has not looked great this year. He's looked banged up. I, he's been battling from, what I'm told, a, a really a knee injury since fall camp. And you know he missed the, the game against Louisville. Uh, Excuse me, he missed the game against Florida State, he was limited against Louisville, and then of course he had two weeks off. So this is really his first extended action we've seen in a long time. And I thought he looked fresh, I thought he looked quick, I thought he looked like the guy we saw at the beginning of 2019 when I ranked him at the midway mark as Notre Dame's best defensive lineman, based on how he was playing. And so if you can get him back on track with what you're already getting from Kurt Heinisch and Jason Adamiola and Jacob Lacey starting to really come on here now a couple couple weeks in a row where he's played really well, uh, you're, you're really stout up the middle. And that's important as you're going to play some teams like Clemson and North Carolina uh, that are really good at running the football. And, and Wake Forest also is a team that's really good at running the football. I don't think BC is good at running the football yet. They ran extremely well this weekend against uh, – Uh, Georgia Tech but they hadn't rushed for over 100 yards all season so I think that was more of just Georgia Tech's defense is really bad and struggling right now more than BC so I'm not necessarily sold on that BC run game but Clemson and North Carolina Wake Forest are absolutely going to want to run the football and if Notre Dame can continue this it's going to be important in those games but it's really starts up the middle I thought on the edge I thought the strong side ends, Adi, Takumba, Ogundiji and Justin Adamiola were brilliant against the run. They were physical, getting up field. Pitt likes to run a lot of stretch plays, and the goal there is they want to take the, the defensive end and kind of wash them outside, like stretch them outside. That's why it's called a stretch play. is You stretch them out, and then you open up. The, the further you can stretch, the wider the run lanes that the, the running back can then plant and, and vertically burst, burst through. And when you look at how they played – if the strong side ends can set the edge, which means you know they're going to come up field and be physical and say, hey, you're not getting past this area. That's called setting the edge, and that's going to force the running back to, to make a vertical cut. And both of those guys, Ogandiji and Adam Eola, were brilliant at setting the edge, and Pitt just had no chance at getting any kind of stretch uh, on their perimeter runs, and that, that played a big role in shutting down their run game because then – the defensive tackles, the backside linebackers, the backside ends could then crash, and they had shorter room to work, so they could fill and really just eat up uh, those cutback run lanes. So obviously that that played a big role. I thought Dalen Hayes had probably his best game of the year. He was really good against Duke, but I thought he was very good against the run. Made plays in coverage, you know, getting underneath routes. But he had a very good pass rush game. This was the first time, really, all season, we've seen Dalen just turn it loose. And, you know, he had some edge rushes. He had some spin moves. He had some different things where those spin moves don't work if you're not coming hard off the edge. And I thought he played better. Now, I still think there's room for him to do even better as a pass rusher, but it was nice to see him really be impactful uh, and get after the quarterback. The rest of the D-line, him and Adam Yola, were really the only guys that I thought gave any kind of consistent pass rush. Uh, That's my one concern coming out of this game is I still don't see a great pass rush. Uh, and that's gonna something that's going to be needed here in future games. The defensive line is going to have to really improve their pass rush. I thought Drew White was good in this game. He had a bit of a bounce-back game. Uh, Jeremiah Wuse, who we talked about, was brilliant. Uh, his ability to take away the swing pass, uh, to take away the perimeter pass, to, to be able to handle some of those running back and slot wheel routes. Uh, he's just really good. And he had some snaps, too, where he was the one being asked to set the edge off of kind of a, an edge stunt, I thought he played exceptionally well. Bo Bauer played really good football in this game. You know, I thought a big part of it was he played well in the pass game. And that's been a liability of his in the past. But he had a, a nice pressure that forced an incompletion on a third down. I thought he was disciplined in his run fits. I thought he played good football. I thought Shane Simon played really good in coverage. I thought his his, his coverage grade for me was, was really impressive. Look, Pitt saw the film. They saw him get beat on a wheel route last week. And so Pitt, smartly. Said, "Hey, let's attack this guy," uh, and Shane was ready for it. I mean, he was jumping out cuts. There was a, a play where they tried to run an angle route. And an angle route is basically the backs in the backfield. He's going to kind of release like he's going to run outside and then kind of plant and go angle inside. I called it an arrow route because it kind of looks like the tip of an arrow. Um, other people call an arrow route like a straight out route. You know, like the they do more of the 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 long part of the arrow but I like to kind of look at the arrow head. you know it looks like an arrow head, and I call it an arrow route so that's that's what they tried to run on him and at first I thought Shane was going to overplay the out cut and get beat inside but he, re, he, re, he read it well he responded quickly and he did it without grabbing I thought he kind of rerouted a little bit without grabbing and I thought he was going to grab but he didn't grab uh, and he played the route and forced an incompletion so He really stepped up in the pass game. His run defense still needs a lot of work, but I really thought he bounced back from a a poor game against Louisville, especially in coverage, and and made some good plays. I thought Maris Lewefau looked a lot more comfortable attacking downhill. He really showed his speed and athleticism on a couple backside plays. So you got better play from the buck position, which is really important. It needs to get a lot better, but it was certainly a step in the right direction. Uh, Secondary-wise, I thought Nick McLeod was outstanding. You know, the one play he got beat, it was a really well-designed play by Pitt. They actually took their receiver and put him in the slot and then put, I believe it was their tight end outside. What that forced Notre Dame to do is that forced Kyle Hamilton to go outside to cover the tight end, and then Nick McLeod came in on the slot, and they ran a wide fade, beat him for a a big gain. Now, the reason it was a great play was – when you when you can isolate your receiver in the slot against a big physical guy like Nick McLeod, if Nick McLeod gets hands on you and you're outside, he's basically pushing you to the sideline. If you can if he even even if he gets hands on you in the slot You have more room to work, so you can kind of run that wide fade and have room for the quarterback to throw the ball to your outside, which is what the quarterback did. He threw it over his outside shoulder and he kind of drifted him outside, and that makes it harder to defend. So it was really a well-called play, well-executed, great catch, uh, and they beat him. But other than that, I thought Nick McLeod's coverage was excellent. Clarence Lewis, as I mentioned, got beat on a slant and go. Other than that, I thought he was good. Uh, I thought I thought uh, Kyle Hamilton was good in coverage. They tested him way more than I thought. And other than that one pass interference when he got to unnecessarily grabby, uh, he was really good in coverage. So just a great all-around performance, great game plan, great execution. They played hard. They played fast. Uh, it really was uh, an impressive thing to watch. And turnovers. That's been the one issue on defense this year where the Notre Dame defense has just not performed well. I think they've turned only forced three turnovers, I believe, coming into this game. Um, they only had one interception coming into this game. Uh, and so to see them kind of make some plays on the football uh, down the field was a very, very welcome sight to see for this Notre Dame defense. And it, ha- it ha- played a big role in this game. I mean, you look at Pitt – Pitt's defense was really keeping the Notre Dame offense in check. Notre Dame had a couple big plays that that really helped them out. Overall, they weren't running, they weren't moving the ball overly well on Pitt consistently. The big, they were relying on the big plays. Well, when you can give your offense short fields against that kind of defense, it's going to help you out a lot. And Notre Dame's offense, to their credit, was able to turn those those short fields into seven points, and and that obviously played a huge role in not only winning but blowing pit out and getting some much needed style points in this win. So obviously that that was a big part of those turnovers were a big part of it. Let's talk about the offense as we wrap this up. You know, I think I think one of the things that that I want to talk about the offensive line first cuz I've talked to some some people on and, and uh you know they they were a little critical of the offensive line, didn't think the offensive line played well. You know, didn't run for a lot of yards. Notre Dame only rushed for 115 yards in the game. And let's be honest, a good chunk of that positive yardage was quarterback scrambles in the pass game. And, uh, you know, but I, I think you have to evaluate offensive line play like anything else relative to the the level of the competition they play. I mean, I remember last year Ian booked through for a bunch of yards against New Mexico, and I said I, he didn't play well, you know, because it's relative to the quality of the competition. And I think that there's some people that are, are are critical of Jeff Quinn that still don't think Jeff Quinn should have been the guy that Notre Dame hired a couple years ago. And I'm not going to necessarily say I disagree with that. I've made my opinion very clear on that. So the first game that the offensive line doesn't absolutely dominate, um, you know, I think there's some there's some criticism about. Oh, well, you know, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, and and I actually disagree with it. I actually thought the offensive line played really well on on Saturday. Look, here's the deal. Pitt came out and said, "You're not going to run on us." You're not gonna, you're not gonna run a ball down our our throat. You're not gonna, you know, run for 250 yards like you have everybody else. They were aggressive. I thought Notre Dame had some schematic problems uh, that they're not. They're and it's been kind of going on for a while. They're not doing a good job of handling the backside because they refuse to do read zone concepts and they refuse to, um, you know, do read zones. And, and those are things that you can kind of use as controls on the backside edge, and they're trying to have their linemen peeling back. It's just not going to work. Uh, so that's an issue that needs to get addressed, But and, and that factored into this game as well. But Pitt was basically just not going to let Notre Dame run the ball uh, effectively. But what I liked was Notre Dame did not say, okay, fine, we won't try to run. They still kept trying to run the ball in, in, an, in an attempt to at least maintain some semblance of, hey, we're not going to just let you not let us run the ball. We're not going to let you just take it away from us. We're not going to get one dimensional. We're going to still run the ball and there were some plays where they were able to uh you know step up and 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 you know get positive yards on first down at times and and but the big one is you know the, the short yardage. They, they converted two third and ones in this game with the run game. And so I thought the line competed and and a big part of it is you have to understand when you're playing defensive ends like the the ends Pitt has, for example, you're not going to stone them at the line of scrimmage. You're not going to just take their pass rush and just dominate them. The key for me in this game that I give the offensive line a lot of credit for is even when they lost battles, they never completely lost the battle. And so you take some – there were some plays by Robert Hainsey, for example, that people might say, well, you know, he got beat there. Well, Pitt was lining up their edges ends really wide and they're coming off wide rushes. Well, that's naturally going to result in the offensive tackle doing one of two things, and, and he's going to have to do one of two things to win. One is he kind of gets out there quickly and, and engages the guy, which is hard to do when they're that athletic. Uh, and, and the other one is you're going to kind of have to sink back more knowing you're going to engage the guy deeper and closer to the quarterback, but you're going to then engage him and ride him past the quarterback. And that's what Notre Dame was doing a lot of. And they, Ian Book looked like, A lot of times, Ian Book will run into pressure. It's just a criticism I've had of him where if there's a wide rush, he's going to kind of panic a little bit and and take off or step into it. Well, he was just calmly stepping into the pocket on Saturday. That tells me that they were prepared for those wide rushes and that Ian knew, hey, when you see this wide rush, trust your tackles that they're going to ride that guy outside, step into the pocket, and make a play. And I thought he did a great job of that. I mean, the first touchdown pass to Ben Skoranek, he steps into the pocket and, and lets go of a pass. He was he was stepping into the pocket and taking off and running, but he wasn't doing it quickly, which is what you want. If sometimes a quarterback can, can kind of react too quickly to a run lane or pressure, he takes off running, well, that crossing route may still be right in the middle of the field and you're going to run right into the linebacker that's covering that crosser. He had poise. He let the block, blockers do their job. He let them ride defenders past him, and then he would step up into the pocket and take off running. And that was a big part of the success. I mean, I think he had two. if I'm trying to remember correctly. He had at least one, but maybe two scrambles on the first drive of the game that moved the chains uh, that set up that touchdown, the first touchdown. So um, it, I thought they did well. I mean, it, that doesn't mean every lineman played well. I thought Liam Eikenberg was – Outstanding in this game. He had two mistakes in the game. One, he just kind of lunged and let a guy get by him. And another, he was late getting over to a, a linebacker twist that was coming from the inside. But over other than that, I thought he was outstanding. I thought his run blocking was outstanding. His pass blocking was exceptional. I thought Tommy Kramer played an improved game of football. Uh, I thought Robert Hainsey was solid. Aaron Banks was a little up and down, but 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 good. I thought Jarrett Patterson struggled. There were too many times where his hips would kind of turn. He'd let a, let a guy upfield. Uh, but again, even in those plays where I thought Jarrett Patterson didn't do a good job with his initial block and got beat upfield, he kept a body on the defender. And that isn't easy to do when you're playing defensive linemen as good as Pitt. And by doing that, they allowed Ian Book to either slide, step, and throw – which he did at times, or they allowed him to get outside the pocket and make a play, which he did at times, or they allow him to step into the pocket and take off running, which is something he's good at. He's always been good at that. So you can't do that. It just takes one guy to lose his block, and it's a sack. It just takes one. And they didn't do that. And 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 they competed hard. I thought they did I was afraid, honestly, my biggest fear coming in this game was that we'd see the line revert back to what they were the last two years, which is catching. You know, coming on, this is a really good D-line, so we're just going to step and catch. They didn't do that. They took the fight to Pitt, and, and I really liked how they competed. So uh, I I gave the offensive line good marks for this game. It, this, the numbers weren't sexy. I didn't expect them to be sexy. I mean, 115 yards against Pitts, almost twice as many yards as Pitts usually giving up over the course of the season. So, again, let's use some context here. OK, um, when you look at that 115 yards, you had minus four uh, were because of the when you had your backup offensive line in the game. You had minus four from your backup quarterback. So you had your second string offensive line in the game. So, you know, you have to look at these things and look at them in context and, and say, you know what? Like they they battled. They did what they needed to do to beat this team. And, and I give them credit for that. And, and let's be honest, this was also the first test that they have really had against a defensive line that's really good against the run. They've handled some good – they had a good pass rushing line against Duke. Rump and and, uh, uh, Demokiji are really good pass rushers, but Rump's not a great run defender. I don't think he is. I know that Pro Football Focus thinks he is. I don't. I've never seen that on film. So uh, this was a great all-around defensive line, and I thought the Notre Dame uh, offensive line, I thought, played well. Did they play great? No, they played well. They did what they needed to do. To win the game and that's why I think as a unit they graded out for me they graded out well I thought Notre Dame uh receivers wise I thought they stepped up and played well for the most part And played great they played well they made some big plays they blocked well I thought Avery Davis was good Ben Skronik made some big plays in this game great body control yards after the catch he blocked hard. There was one play where he – actually, a red zone play where he blocked a cornerback out of the end zone, and I really liked the edge. He had an edge to him on Saturday. I really liked that. Javon McKinley made a couple nice plays, blocked well. He still struggles with his release, but that's just the way it is. I like how Avery Davis played. Um, but I I was actually kind of pleased with the game plan, and, and I've, I've been critical of Tommy Reese so far this year. and A couple of the things that I've been begging for – I wanted to see more tight end involvement in the pass game. We saw we saw that. I'd still like to see more Tommy Tremble, but you know, I mean, it's progress. Michael Mayer was was and it, it wasn't just production for the sake of production. I mean, the tight ends uh, combined, I think, for seven catches in the game, but it was obvious that they were primary reads and and not just like hitting them on a crossing route because they're you know it's a check down. These were these were throws where they were the primary read or. A part of the primary read for the most part, and I thought that was important. Uh, I, I said, "Please throw to the running backs, especially against Pitt," and they did that. And I thought the game plan was good in that regard. I thought early on they threw the ball more than they ran, but it was a ba- it was it was still kind of out of balance. feels like you, Notre Dame wasn't just running; they had some play actions. They weren't just I mean, excuse me, they weren't just passing to pass. They were using play actions. They were doing some quick game. It was clear that they were they were still trying to run the ball, so you couldn't just Play the pass of your pit, and I have never understood why they got rid of RPOs. Well, we saw RPOs on Saturday. I was thrilled about that. The first time they threw an RPO, it was a uh, you had it was to the left, Avery Davis. They were running a counter to the right. Pit crashed the backside. Ian Book pulls, throws a little look screen behind the line to Avery Davis. He catches it, makes one guy miss, picks up nine, nine yards, stealing yards. There's another play later in the game where Ian Book pulled it and banged an outcut to Javon McKinley. I think Ian Book is really good at those kind of RPOs. And, and no, he's going to make some wrong decisions from time to time and hand off when he shouldn't or pull and throw when he shouldn't. That's going to happen. But these are yard. These are plays where it's it's an easy read. You you have one guy to, to look at, and you bet, pull it and throw it to one guy. It's, it's not that hard. And they stole yards against Pitt doing that. And that's why I love RPOs. It's If you want to overplay the run, then then we as an offense, looking at it from the coaching standpoint, we as an offense now have things we can do where we don't have to then come back with the next play call. Hey, they did this on the last second and 10, so next time on second and 10 we're going we're gonna to call this. Well, they may not do that next time on second and 10. What I love about RPOs is they give you the option to beat a defense with what they're doing now even if it's not necessarily the call. So we may say, hey, look, we're going to call counter here. Uh, and again, when I say we, I'm look, trying to look at it through the coach's eyes, right? So that's what I mean by we. I'm trying to give you a coach's view of it. You know, we may look at it and say, hey, we want to run counter here, but if the way that they can beat counter is by doing this. Well, we're going to build into the counter call, an RPO, where we're calling counter, the lines blocking counter, the backs are blocking counter, but we don't need the backside receivers to block counter. So they're going to do this. They're going to you know maybe bang a post route or a quick out cut or a screen like we saw. And if they crash this guy, if this safety does this, or if this guy does this, then we're just going to pull it and we're going to throw it. And it's stealing yards. And Notre Dame did those on Saturday. So, so kudos to Tommy Reese for looking at things that his offense was missing and looking at areas where his offense needed to get better and, and building around the best parts of his offense. Because I thought one of the things that I liked about the game plan was you didn't ask the receivers to be – chase claypool and michael floyd and and uh will fuller and miles boykin you could just let them be complimentary players and then when they got their chance to make plays they made them but because you were throwing to michael mayer early i mean and missed him quite often and, and so his numbers could have been better the play where they were the javon mckinley caught the ball and ran for 41 yards that was initially meant to be a pump and go to tommy Trumbull, but the defense held Trumbull, and so book scrambled and then saw McKinley open backside. That was not a design throwback play. That was Ian Book improvising uh, and, the, and the line giving him time to improvise. But that was a play that was designed to go to the tight end, and they overplayed it, and that's why they left Javon McKinley uncovered. So I really liked that aspect of the game plan. And, and red zone, I still want to see a little bit more physicality, but I thought that there was a, some, some better concepts there. The issue to me for the offense was – was the play of Ian Book in and let me explain. I liked a lot of what Ian Book did on Saturday from a from a co- competing standpoint. I didn't think Ian Book was at his best throwing the ball. I thought he was off target a lot. I thought he missed some throws that that honestly he shouldn't have missed. Um and and just didn't play as well as I think he's he's capable of playing as a thrower. And I thought those things limited the effectiveness of the offense especially early in the game. There were reads he didn't make he should have made and throws he 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 should have made that he didn't make. And so I think in that regards there was some sloppiness and that's really something that that stalled the offense a lot early. However, I also loved his compete and that is a big part of this 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 win. You know, the 3rd and 10 play or the the 2nd and 10 play he he where he threw the touchdown early in the game. That's a play that Ian Book really even Ian Book in September would have not kept his eyes downfield would have rushed out of the pocket and probably not seen Ben Skoranek coming across the middle to hit him for a touchdown but he did and so that was big the 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 touchdown pass uh, the the second touchdown pass of to Skoranek, there's a guy screaming down Ian Book's you know face i mean he's just he got rusher came through and he just threw it up. And and I even had somebody say, well, I mean, that second touchdown, I'm going to give him credit for that because he just threw it up to him. I'm going to give him credit for that because that's what I want him to do. Hey, man, you don't have to be perfect every time. You don't have to make the perfect read every single time. You don't have to make the perfect throw every time. Sometimes it's just give your – It's look, it's third and 14. It's whatever. Just give your guy a chance to make the ball. If they make a play. If they pick it off, they pick it off. It's third and 14, and you're throwing the ball 50 yards downfield. Whatever. It's like a punt. Okay? But give your guy a chance to make a play, and he did that. And guess what? His guy made a play. Uh, the the play to Javon McKinley. Oh, that's not how they drew it up. That's just Ian running around, keeping his eyes downfield, and competing, and it results in a forty-one yard gain. So, you know, look, so quarterbacks are going to be off sometimes. They're going to be sloppy sometimes. They're going to be they're going to miss throws sometimes. And I think that. One of the things that, that I think we, we tend to do when we when we evaluate quarterbacks, especially if it's someone who who you're critical of, as I've been of, of Ian Book, is you tend to put past you tend to bring past performances into this game. So when Ian Book's missing throws, it's like, oh, here we go again. Well, in this game, he was off. He was missing throws, he was missing reads. The the you know, some of the things we've seen in the past were still a problem, you know, waiting too long to throw the ball. He was too late on throws. Um, that cost him a chance to have a big play to Joe Wilkins on a drag route that almost got picked. Uh, He forced two balls in the end zone, almost got picked off twice. I mean, so there were definitely mistakes. But if Ian Book doesn't battle the way that he battled, if he doesn't just just keep his eyes downfield, show poise, show toughness, running the ball, making decisions to move the chains, he was very poised against the best pass rush he's faced all year and one of the best pass rushes he's faced in the last two years. And he didn't, he didn't let it rattle him. His jersey was dirty. He was taking hits. But he competed. He competed hard. And I think that kind of set the tone for everybody else. If your quarterback's kind of, you know, punking out and and, and just taking sacks and cowering and, you know, running out of bounds and doing all those kind of things – that feeds into the whole offense. But when your quarterback's out there competing, moving to, hey, you know what? You guys just stay, keep a body on the body. Let me do what I got to do. I'm going to step up. I'm going to make a throw. I'm going to take off running. I'm going to get my yards. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this shot and get the ball off the bend for a touchdown, all those kind of things. When your quarterback is battling like that, it's going to tell the rest of offense, "Hey, we got a battle like that." And so, we can nitpick Ian Book's game, and if I was his quarterback's coach, there's a lot of things that I would sit down with him in the film room and say, "Hey, we got to get better here, we got to do better there, we got to make this read quicker, we can't force that ball, we got to be smarter there, we need to get this ball to Michael Mayer in the end zone sooner." Yes, it was a touchdown this time, but against a better defense, you throw the ball that late, it may not be a touchdown. So, there's always those kind of things to correct. But what you sit down and say to him is like, if you can give me this kind of effort, if you can give me this kind of poise, if you can give me this kind of want to, this kind of toughness every game, we'll clean this other stuff up and we're going to have a chance to beat anybody on our schedule. Because if you give me that want to, that desire, that toughness of keeping your eyes downfield, not letting the rush get to you, not letting the pass rush bother you, not taking your eyes off your reads, not doing those kind of things, if you can show me patience in the pocket, not rushing into your you know, running out of the pocket, not stepping into pressures, if you can show me that toughness, that poise, that playmaking ability that you showed me on Saturday against Pitt, We'll coach up this other stuff. We'll correct some of these other mistakes. We'll get better at that. But if you can give me this every week, we got a chance to compete with and beat anybody on our schedule. I truly believe that. And that now there's some things the coaching staff needs to do to give him more opportunities. I think get the continue to use the running backs more, use Chris Tyree more in the pass game, get Tremble and Mayer going in the pass game. You know, do things like that. I think if you can do some stuff like that, I think this offense has a chance to be to be to be get a lot better and play a lot better. And when the defense is playing the way they're playing, they don't have to score fifty points a game. Uh, they just have to score, you know, sometime. I mean, heck, against a team like Pitt, they only scored ten. You know, against a team like Louisville, they only needed twelve. They got to play better than that. But this was a good first step for me. Uh, seeing the offensive line compete was important for me. Seeing Ian book battle the way he did was important to me. Now you clean up some of the stuff, and that's the thing I've always said. I can clean that stuff up as a coach. I can I can correct these kind of things. But if if you're not giving me the toughness, the coming off the line, the physicality, the competing, and all that kind of stuff, then, then I can't I can't coach that. That that's that's in your chest. That's in your mind. Uh, you either do that or you don't. And and I and I love that from the team. And now they they have some things that they can build on. This is the first time all season I watched this offense play as an entire unit and said, you know what? They got a chance to be pretty good. Now, there's stuff that's got to get fixed, but they got a chance to be pretty good. From a coaching standpoint on down to the players, they got a chance to be pretty good. Now, the key moving forward is you got to build on that. If they can build on that, then we're looking good. They can't take a step back. And I think that doing what they did against Pitt, if you can go on the road against Georgia Tech this weekend and then build on that, now you got yourself in a really good position to say, we've got some momentum and some confidence heading into that Clemson game, which is really going to be the game of the year for Notre Dame. So um, those are my thoughts on the Notre Dame pit game. A really, a, again, an impressive, impressive performance from Notre Dame. Uh, Toughness-wise, attitude-wise, mentality-wise – uh, and then just going on the road and just handling your business, uh, you know, and doing what you're supposed to do against an inferior opponent. And, and I was very impressed by that from a coaching standpoint all the way down to, to the last aspects of the game. There's a lot to, to coach up and correct, but there's a lot to, if you're a coach, there's a lot you took out of this game that you're excited about. But boy, if we can just correct these couple things here, boy, we got a chance to be really good. And that's where you want to be as a coach. So good win for Notre Dame. Make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com for all of the Georgia Tech analysis coming up. As I said earlier in the show, Vince will have a podcast tomorrow on Wednesday where he will interview a Georgia Tech insider to talk about the Yellow Jackets. And then on Thursday, Vince and I will have a podcast where he and I preview the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech game. On Friday, we'll have a video out where I interview former Notre Dame quarterback Steve Berline. I'll get his thoughts on the pit game, and then he'll preview – the Notre Dame Georgia Tech matchup and we'll have tons of Georgia Tech analysis so make sure you're checking that out make sure you're paying attention to the website reading the website those are the things that we can do to really keep this site flourishing and keep things rolling the way that they're rolling so uh, we had a great week last week I want to have another great week this week but I need all of you podcast listeners to also make sure that you are reading the website as well so uh, for Vince and Brian and everybody else that's a part of our staff JP Scott does his betting lines in the week ryan Mary is going to give some analysis of the opponent every week uh you know we, we really appreciate all you guys being with us and we look forward to continue to grow our site and grow our podcast and everything else that we're doing got some things coming down that we're working on vince and i are working on as far as getting some video type stuff going so make sure you keep an eye out for some of those announcements that we're we're hoping that we can make very very soon so appreciate all y'all being with us And uh, we will talk with you again here very soon as we get ready to talk about Notre Dame and Georgia Tech.